Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 Podcast. As always, I'm Tyler Donahue here at the helm for another episode packed with recruiting insight because it is the month of June and anymore on the calendar, this is a huge stacked recruiting month. You've, you've learned that already through the first couple of weeks. We're embarking on yet another one here with our first of two episodes this week. Seven on seven tournament comes to Happy Valley this Friday. We're always excited for that. It also coincides with the Big Man Challenge, which is a great opportunity for linemen from across the region on both sides of the ball to come and showcase their skills in front of Phil Troutwine, Dion Barnes, and the Nittany Lions staff. We're looking forward to more camp coverage on Friday. We, we just came off of some camp coverage. We're out there all su- Sunday afternoon, had a chance to check out a bunch of prospects in action. We'll break down a lot of that coming down uh, the road here on this show with Daniel Gallon and Mark Brennan, who I shared the field with on Sunday afternoon. But of course, we are also coming off another action-packed official visit weekend. Did not produce the fireworks we saw from the previous official visit weekend when there were three commitments added to the 2024 recruiting class in a span of eight hours on Sunday afternoon. But this weekend, very eventful in terms of getting momentum moving forward in the right direction with several key targets. He had a lot of commits on campus as well, familiarizing themselves with facilities, with their future teammates, getting in the ears of some of these uncommitted prospects. And to break it all down and more, we bring back in our recruiting insider, Tyler Calvariso, who's had everything covered from start to finish here from these official visit weekends over at lines247.com. And Tyler, as I mentioned on the intro, no commitments coming out of this one publicly, at least to this point. So the fireworks, I know people are looking around for those, but we have some movement in the crystal ball realm. And when you put one in, I know that uh, your conservative approach, it, it perks my interest. And uh, let's start there with this official visit list because you came out Monday morning and announced, hey, I think things are training in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think I finally felt good enough about where things are at with Nick Marsh to pop that crystal ball pick in. And, I mean, you knew that I was playing it really, really conservative with him just based on the fact that he does still have Michigan State on his official visit slate for June 23rd. And, you know, given the fact that he was committed to the Spartans that has a good relationship with that staff there and, you know, there are members that would prefer him to wind up in East Landing. I think these are all factors that we had to take into consideration with Marsh. But, I mean, he gets to campus for this official visit this past weekend, and the Penn State staff really hit it out of the park with him. You know, I mean, there, we've had conversations coming out of that visit. Like, is Marsh even going to keep making those visits? That's how well things went for Penn State. And that was a dialogue that we were never really having prior to his official visit. I mean, Marcus Higgins deserves really the bulk of the credit what has been accomplished here you know I, I actually fielded a question on this on the board i believe it was maybe saturday or sunday because i'm kind of losing track of the days at this point but uh i'm here buddy <laughs> it was it was a really good question and they asked me about marsh you know with hagan's taking over for taylor stubblefield would penn state be in this position if hagan's wasn't in town and you know it's a tough one to answer because you can't predict what would have happened if another coach was in the place that Hagen is in right now. But he's definitely been a difference maker with Marsh. I mean, that relationship has come along really, really well. And again, we keep coming back to the fact that the first time he made it to campus to catch up with Hagen's in person, Marsh was really blown away and the expectations he had for that visit were surpassed. And I think that was something that the staff accomplished again this weekend. I think visit expectations were once again surpassed by the Penn State staff with Marsh. So all of that really went into the crystal ball pick. It was kind of one of those situations where you ponder it for a while and, you know, it it gets to a point where you're just like, "I, I think it's time to predict him you know, landing with the knitting line, just given the intel we've been receiving and the way things are trending. I definitely don't think it's over. You know, we still got to see what he's doing on the visit front, but assuming he does indeed make it to Michigan State, that's going to be one I'm keeping a really close eye on. 
But right now, I think going into the visit, Penn State had a slight edge for Marsh. I think that edge is a little bit bigger now. They've separated themselves from the field, and that really prompted the prediction. I'll tease something that you just dropped up on lines247.com, which is resetting the board, a target board for 2024's Penn State class on offense. So you're reevaluating a lot of those key positions. Uh, wide receiver is certainly one of them. It's right now the cupboard's bare in terms of commitments right now for the Nittany Lions. But we saw visitors on campus last week. Peter Gonzalez was at the camp. We, we, we went into detail about why that was a good thing for both Gonzalez and the Nittany Lions. Uh, Gonzalez, by the way, Moved his Virginia Tech visit up. He was there this past weekend for an OV, posting pictures with Brent Pry's uh, staff down there uh, with Virginia Tech. And, and so now he's due on campus. Does it feel like the dominoes are really about to fall at the wide receiver spot here in the next, let's say, two weeks? I definitely think so. I, I mean, specifically with Gonzalez coming out of that Virginia Tech official visit, I mean, there's not really any heavy buzz trending towards the Hokies coming out of that visit. And I think that really speaks to where – He's at with Penn State and kind of where he wants to be. I mean, you had such productive conversations at that lead showcase camp regarding Gonzalez. We've been hearing, you know, a lot of really positive things from the Gonzalez camp and just where that whole recruitment is really looking at this point in the cycle. I think now that it's very clear that he's a priority and, you know, that has been something that's been relayed to him straight from the top from James Franklin. That was a message that was delivered as soon as he got onto campus for that elite showcase camp. And I just feel like the writing is on the wall. I think we're going to have a crystal ball pick in for him at some point this week. I think at this point it's pretty much dotting, you know, just making sure everything is squared away. And it leaves Penn State's wide receiver board. I think there's definitely more clarity with it right now in terms of, you know, Marsh kind of favoring Penn State more so than the other schools involved. And then with Gonzalez pretty clearly favoring Penn State, at least based on the intel we've received, those are two hard names we have. I mean, Jalen Hornsby was on campus the first weekend of June. He's high on the Nittany lines, and there are others, you know, still to visit who are very high on the Nittany lines. So I think that this wide receiver hole is going to come together nicely for Penn State. I, I definitely think that whether the commitments come, you know, right off official visits or a few weeks after the fact, I think Marcus Higgins is doing a really good job of laying the groundwork for future success. And I think maybe we were a little bit spoiled on the commitment front in that first week. And, you know, you get three guys to pop publicly. There's definitely some stuff brewing behind the scenes as well right now coming out of this past official visit weekend. But, you know, you see those three guys pop and, you know, Penn State fans, they probably start to think to themselves, oh, oh we got a lot more coming. That's not always the case. You know, you're not always going to get these commitments right after the official visits wrap. A lot of these times, these official visits, the most important thing is letting the recruit know how wanted he is, laying that foundation to land him, and then you get him two, three weeks, maybe even a month later. You know, the timeline of it doesn't really matter. Closing on him is what matters. And I think the Penn State staff has put it, specifically Higgins, has put Penn State in a pretty good position to close on a lot of its top wide receiver targets. And we have all those names up online, 24-7 board. So definitely keep an eye on that throughout the week because the board is ever-evolving. You know, there are still conversations going on inside a lash about is this guy a take is he not a take so it's a fun time to cover recruiting but i'm really really enjoying this wide receiver conversation that is going on internally and externally i think it's really one of the more intriguing storylines of the cycle yeah if you blink you could lose track of where the board stands yeah. at any given moment here in, in june right now uh nick marsh by the way number 166 overall in the top 24 7 rankings the number 26 overall wide receiver of penn state were to pry him out of michigan obviously it's a big win in big 10 territory and if penn state were to pull off something with jamonte waller boy would that be a splash in sec country 
Waller back on campus seemed to go very well. Steve Wiltfong had some feedback up at lines247.com. I know you've done some digging on this. Where is Penn State sending the five-star linebacker edge rusher on his way in terms of his recruitment status with this program? Well, Penn State's still at the top. I mean, there's really no doubt about that at this point. And we talked about it going into the official visit weekend as a crucial visit for Penn State and Waller because Auburn had made up a little bit of ground. And I think you do have to wonder about some of these SEC schools that are involved with Waller. But Penn State really hammered home, you know, how much of a priority he is and how much he is wanted. And I think the staff really pulled out all the stops to, you know, to make him feel well. Pulled out the jersey too, didn't they? They pulled yeah, out man. the jersey, number they pulled 11. The, number they, pulled 11. Out the, they did more than pull out the jersey. They pulled out the phone and got him on FaceTime. So that was really productive for Waller. That was something that he really enjoyed. So, And, you know, it goes for every recruit. Penn State staff knows what it needs to do to cater to specific guys and, you know, what they want, what they're looking for out of the official visit. So I think they really touched all the bases with Waller. I, I wrote on so, early Sunday morning that I think this is probably the most optimistic that I've been with Penn State's chances with Waller. And, I mean, I've been really tame on projecting him throughout this cycle just because of the involvement of the SEC programs. And I, I think you kind of – you need to think realistically, right? And you need to think logically. You know, SEC kid from Mississippi has a lot of SEC suitors. You know, what are Penn State's chances realistically? I think at this point in the cycle, we could confidently say – that those chances of getting him to Happy Valley on a full-time basis, they're realistic now. I definitely think they are. I'm still not going to the crystal ball. I've gotten some questions on why. I'm st- I just still – I need to see more of what comes of those SEC visits. You know, it's something that I personally can't shake. I definitely want to see how those play out. But Penn State has done a really, really good job with Waller. Probably the best job I could have asked for at this point in the cycle. You know, sometimes these guys from the South, you know, the interest starts to taper off a little bit as time goes on, hasn't been the case with Waller. If anything, the interest has ratcheted up. Oh, uh, sounds like you got the, the Micah Parsons experience. He got a oh, lot more did. familiarity with the program. Um, and, and so we'll see, you know, talking with, with Steve Wiltfong earlier this month, he said it's really the focus is on these three programs in Auburn, Penn State, Florida. Buckle up because pick a uh, Mississippi, not exactly in the backyard or not exactly in any kind of recruiting footprint for the Penn State Nittany Lions. But when you are LBU and you want to put out that brand, you got Manny Diaz helping with that charge. It really does open some doors in some remarkable places. We'll see where it goes from here uh, for the five-star prospect. Let's move on to a defender that I know you've been high on for a very long time. Made his way up uh, from Florida. There were a few Florida prospects on campus we're going to talk about on the show from this past weekend. But Tampa Catholic cornerback Jameer Grimsley, a long athlete in the defensive backfield, a big soar in the 247 sports rankings, has really collected those Power 5 offers. Penn State's been on him for a while. They fulfilled a, a key moment in this recruitment relationship by getting him back on campus. Him and Terry Smith spent some considerable, considerable time together. This is one you've been really vibing on with, with the Nittany Lions for a long time. Where do you feel they are with Grimsley, who's just really seen his recruitment profile enter another level in the last four or five months? I think it's just really it's going to come down to what happens on that Alabama official visit for Grimsley. I, I think we've had Penn State as his leader for a while, and that is still the case. He's at Florida State as we speak for a nice little midweek official visit for him. He's there in Tallahassee right now. I definitely think the Knowles are a little bit of a sneaky contender there, you know, in-state option, good relationship with that staff. But I think Alabama and the way that Alabama visit this weekend plays out is really going to dictate the way this goes for Penn State. You know, 
Crimson Tide are a legit contender here. Uh, you know, the pedigree speaks for itself. So if Penn State wants to win this recruitment, they're going to have to hope that they did enough on this official visit with Grimsley to, you know, lay the foundation and really, you know, kind of fight off any late surge from Alabama. And I think the staff definitely did accomplish that. I think Terry Smith is really the driving force here with Grimsley. You know, we talk all the time about what Terry Smith accomplishes in Florida recruiting, the relationships that he has down there, and the trust level that he builds with a lot of these guys. He has that with Grimsley. We're talking about a recruit who has been to campus for multiple day visits multiple times now. He got that experience on unofficial capacity in April, and now he's got it in the official capacity in June. So I, I, just, I like where Penn State is at with Grimsley right now. I think that the staff has pushed really all the right buttons with him. And I do think that they are in a good position to fend off Alabama. I do. But you just can't discount Nick Saban in any way on the recruiting trail ever. That's just not really a wise thing to do. So, you know, Penn State, they've done what they can. Now it's kind of what happens at Alabama and where does Grimsley want to go? And he's hinted that a commitment decision could be coming soon. So maybe we'll have some news on that sooner rather than later coming out of that trip to Tuscaloosa. Top 20 cornerback recruit, top 200 overall prospect, and, and another high-profile defensive back prospect that Terry Smith has his sights set on. Um, elsewhere out of Tampa Catholic and, and also on campus this past weekend, and, and you qualified this as a, a, a bit of a notable trip uh, for Xavier Porter, uh, for the Tampa Catholic teammate of Grimsley's who made the trip defensive lineman. Why in the, particularly are we moving forward with, with maybe Porter on the radar more firmly? He checked out size-wise, and that was the most important thing entering this weekend, right? You know, we were wondering pretty much aloud here on the podcast how he was going to fare. You know, was he going to be as big as the Penn State staff would have liked him to be? And it looks like he's good to go in that regard. So that's definitely a plus for Porter, and that's a plus for Penn State because it does like Porter. Yeah, I definitely think that there is some intrigue there. Now, there are definitely other interior defensive line names ahead of Porter on the board, and his standing when it comes to Penn State will probably come down to how some chips ahead of him fall. But I definitely would say he's probably more on the – I agree with the assessment that he's more on the radar now than he was at this time last week. I think any time that you could ease concerns, especially size-wise, on an official visit, that definitely helps your standing. And Penn State is I, – I don't want to say pushing harder for Porter now. I think it's giving him a little bit more consideration than it previously, previously was, though. So Porter – you know, maybe a name we're talking about a little bit more as the month progresses. Kind of wasn't really a topic of conversation for us, but now that they have the verified size, they got him around the team and the staff for the weekend, and everything gelled together really nicely. It's a name that could definitely pop back up as this month progresses. Um, one name that did not get to campus, who so we mentioned a little bit in the preview, mm -hmm. was Caleb Odom. He was a he's a top twenty four seven tight end. He spent spent this past weekend in the SEC territory. He's a Southeast kid. We talked about it. Maybe a luxury kind of visit because you already have Luke Reynolds on board, a top ten tight end prospect. Uh, didn't happen. Didn't come to fruition. Uh, not really nothing to to really dive into deep here. But it happened. Uh, we got confirmation on that. I think a few hours after we recorded Thursday. So just clearing that one yeah. up. But there were a couple names that before we finished our preview on Thursday that we pointed to as maybe going to keep an eye on for popping with commitments. There was a crystal ball that went in from Brian Doan. Both of them spoke with Brian Doan coming out of the weekend, confirmed that Penn State's in a very good spot in their recruitment, but take us through each of those recruitment processes as they stand now. Yeah, so Bob Torre, Malachi Williams, starting with Williams as the in-state edge rusher. It's sounding like that he wants to finish his official visit slate. So that would include trips to Pittsburgh and Syracuse, 
I know there are probably some fans listening right now saying, hey, you just had such a good trip to Penn State. What is it about Pittsburgh or Syracuse that could you know, move the needle for you coming out of your trip to Happy Valley, given how well things went there? I just think he wants to make a well-informed and detailed decision. I've heard that there is some intrigue into the way Pittsburgh develops defensive linemen and gets those guys to the next level. Pittsburgh does do a pretty good job with that. And I think that, you know, you get on campus, you get around that staff, and you gain some more insight into the developmental aspect of what Pittsburgh does. Maybe that is something that Williams is kind of holding out for and really, really wants to see before coming to a decision. I think that could kind of explain things. But I think no matter you know what other visits he makes or where else he goes before coming to a decision. I think Penn State has set the bar, and the staff has set it pretty, pretty high. I see the Nittany Lions being tough to beat for Malachi Williams at this point, and I think that's one that wraps up in Penn State's favor. Maybe not soon because he's indicated that he's not really close to a decision necessarily, but it's one that could come at some point this summer. He's told me in the past that he's looking to wrap up at some point before his senior season. So I think that places Penn State in a pretty good position. And then circling back to Babu Torre, he's, you know, he made the trip Penn State high on the list, definitely solidified itself as its leader now. And he's going to be at Kentucky and Oklahoma for official visits, but another situation where I think Penn State has set the bar pretty high and they're going to be tough to beat at this point in Torrey's recruitment. That'd be a pretty good get for Penn State. I, I really like Torrey's game. I saw him in person at Rutgers this past fall. I mean, that kid hits, man. He's good in coverage. We didn't see a whole lot of him. He wound up leaving the game. I believe it was due to an injury. He didn't return. Wound up being fine, but got knocked out for the rest of the game. I think we saw about two quarters worth of action from him, and he was really impressive. You know, they, they used him a lot as a one-high safety kind of guy. They moved him around formations. So there's versatility to his game. That's something the staff likes. And with numbers dwindling at safety, you know, Dewan Lane is on board. There's really only one spot. I think my money would be on Torre claiming that spot. All right, so Penn State's 2024 recruiting class still sitting at 17 commitments inside that top 10 national rankings at 24-7 sports. Obviously, as Tyler has mentioned, there is possibility this class would expand at any time, really, when you come off of an official visit like this one and emotions are charged up uh, and guys get a chance to go home, digest it, maybe sit around dinner and figure out what they want to do next, whether that's take more visits, push things off beyond into the, their senior season. We're starting to enter that strategic phase of, of the process for a lot of these families, Tyler Calvaruso. But we've got a couple more official visit weekends to come. And meanwhile, we didn't have to wait to get to next weekend for an official visitor. We have a top 24-7 prospect on campus right now in Happy Valley. Break that one down for us. Yeah, Brian Robinson, the edge rusher from Ohio. He's another one who has versatility to his game. He's a big kid. Maybe he beefs up and plays on the interior at the next level. We'll see. I think Penn State likes him on the edge right now. He's got a lot of really good pass rushing traits to his game. Kid's a grinder. You know, one of the harder working kids I've covered this cycle. You know, he's always uh, he's always sharing his workout footage on social media. That's always fun to see. He's always sharing comes- his dinner picture. His dinner pictures. <laughs> man, 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 whoever his makes his cooked. food. Yeah. It's, he says it's pops. So, I mean, looks good to me. Listen, he's getting, he's getting, that, he's getting those calories. Let's he makes me a meal, man. I would love that. <laughs> if he comes to Penn State, I might have to hit up Mr. Robinson, get him to make me a meal or something. That stuff looks good, man. But I think this is going to be a pretty interesting official visit for Penn State, and here's why. You know, Deion Barnes and Robinson, you, you might not think it, but they have a relationship that dates – back a really long time you know when Barnes was a graduate assistant 
Robinson was on his radar really, really early. I think Robinson said this was dates all the way back to when he was still playing quarterback and not even really focusing on the defensive end as much as he probably should have been, given where he's at as a prospect now. I think that that relationship will help Penn State while it has him on campus. You know, him and Barnes seem to be really tight, so that's a plus for the Nittany Lions. I think, you know, at this point in Robinson's recruitment, I think that Kentucky has kind of swung things. It seems like there's a good relationship with the staff there. I think Michigan is definitely still in play as well. And they've been the longtime favorites for Robinson. The 24-7 sports crystal ball has read 100% in favor of the Wolverines for a while. I think it's a combination of Robinson maybe examining his other options and Michigan also really improving its standing with a lot of its other top edge targets and defensive line targets that, you know, they're going to take some guys and that might leave Robinson and, you know, on the outside looking in of the numbers again in Michigan. And what is it a pretty early, a pretty big class in Ann Arbor. So I think this one's ultimately going to come down to Kentucky and Penn state, just given what I said about Michigan, where its priorities are at this point in the cycle, at least that's what it seems like. I think the Wolverines are still, you know, lurking, but Kentucky would be my choice right now. I think that there is a lot to overcome for Penn State there, but I think it has the ability to make up the ground, given the relationship with Deion Barnes and just, you know, I, I you get him on campus for this midweek official visit with a guy like Robinson where you could get him that individualized attention and get the family that individualized attention. That might actually be something that benefits Penn State and can really, really help him make a move. Yeah, well, they got 48 hours here, and I think when both parties exit, mm-hmm. they'll probably yes. have a pretty good feeling about where they stand moving forward. And and, and it, this is going to be something that Penn State, you know, invests in moving forward and continue to do that if Robinson's realistic, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think you make a really good point here. Uh, it's a chance that you're not surrounded by, you know, 18 other prospects mm-hmm. and their mom and dad or their grandparents or, you know, uh, siblings that run around. Now, you take a lot of the what I think makes official visits great by eliminating that kind of social interaction and you know getting a feel for fellow prospects and some of the commits and and for your parents to kind of speak to other parents and, and you know bounce some ideas off of each other and talk about the process I think that kind of peer communication for parents and prospects is helpful but yeah this is going to be a much more intimate setting between him and the coaching staff and the training staff and those presentations that may normally include kind of a, a full audience May just be, you know, four of them in there and sitting there and, mm-hmm. and, and getting their information. So we'll see what comes of Robinson's visit. Uh, if you can provide an update for us about what Penn State was able to accomplish uh, during these couple of days on campus. We don't see a lot of these midweek ones. So uh, we'll check back in with that maybe on our Thursday episode of the podcast. Elsewhere at the edge rusher position and in the 2024 class, Jalen Harvey, who we weren't sure would make any more official visits when he left town last weekend after take, spending some time in Happy Valley once again. The Maryland Ed Rusher does get back on the on the recruiting trail, of course, goes down to Gainesville, spends the weekend with the Florida Gators. What happens next and where do we stand? Because this is one that the crystal ball has pointed towards Penn State, felt like momentum was certainly in place after he made his official visit. And then he takes a trip to SEC country and we're still in mid-June where it feels like anything can happen. No, we're just going to have to see where else he pops up for other visits at this point. Really, he pushes commitment date back to July 4th. So that's a pretty clear indication that, you know, you use these next two weekends to wrap up June with two more official visits. And really, I think that's a call that comes from the top. I think the Harvey family definitely wants Jalen to get out and see more from other schools and make a decision based on four visits as opposed to just the one Penn State visit that he took. I think that Penn State is where Harvey wants to be right now. I think that official visit went really well 
for the Nittany Lions, at least when it came to its individual you know, interactions with Harvey and what it was able to sell Harvey himself on. I, I, I'm not sure you know, what the family is thinking coming out of that official visit, but uh, it's definitely an indication that he's going to be making some more visits before coming to a decision. And what does that mean for Penn State? It's definitely concerning because, you know, you thought you had a chance to close on this guy on June 23rd, and now he's pushed back a couple weeks, and he's going to be making – likely going to be making some more visits. So you need to see what comes of that. I still think Penn State is in the best chance to land Jalen Harvey, let me say that. I definitely think that the Nittany Lions are going to be tough to beat for him, given the precedent that is set with Harvey on his official visit. So we're just really going to have to kind of play it by ear and monitor what pops up with him these next two weeks. But I still feel good about my crystal ball pick. I think the crystal ball, 100% in favor of Penn State, is still looking pretty solid. I think it's going to take a pretty large effort for another program to beat out Penn State for Harvey. Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallen and I are going to dive into a lot of the camp conversation from what we saw on Sunday in just a moment. But I know there's a, a prospect who was on campus, made the trip up from Florida. I've got a Florida defensive bros- uh, defensive back prospect to talk about a lot on the other side of the podcast. But right here with, with Jamari Thomas, who made the trip up from Morton High School in Tampa, Florida. We've talked about a few Tampa uh, defenders now on the show. He's a 2024 prospect. I mean, it, 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 it's a game of musical chairs already at this point with the defensive backfield in the 20. 20- 24 class for the Nittany Lions. What kind of impression did he make? I, you know, he comes up to, to campus from Tampa, goes sub four five a couple times in the 40 yard dash. And I thought overall it was maybe the second or third best defensive prospect over the course of the afternoon. You know, I think, uh, I think he definitely helped his stock, whether it be at Penn state or somewhere else. I, you know, cause coaches talk, you know, if they feel that, you know, maybe he might not be the best fit for Penn state, given where it's at with its secondary board and some of the numbers there. But he tested really well, and he fared really well during one-on-ones, and I think he does have a future as a nickel corner at the FBS level, maybe even at the Power 5 level. I I think if he continues to go out on the camp circus and run as well as he ran and consistently deliver in the one-on-one portions of camps and, you know, the drills, what he showed at Penn State this weekend, I definitely think that he could be a late riser as a senior. I got the chance to talk to him briefly late Saturday or Sunday night, excuse me. And he's been talking to Terry Smith a little bit more. So that might be something to keep an eye on. He's been hearing from South Carolina more as well. I think he's getting, you uh, think he's looking to get out there to camp. And that, that's one of those performances that, you know, we just referenced that could be big for him in his mm-hmm. recruitment. If he goes to South Carolina and does anything similar to what he showed at the Penn state camp, the elite showcase two camp, I think, you know, word is going to continue to get around. And, a guy like this, maybe he's flown a little bit under the radar because Florida is just such a deep state. It's loaded with talent. And guys like Thomas, you know, they, they can. They can slip through the cracks. It happens. Even though he plays at a Wharton program in Tampa that has had its fair share of success and has turned out Power 5 recruits before. So it's not like he's completely buried. But I think you know maybe a guy who schools are starting to get more verified size on him, more testing numbers, and they could kind of – because originally early in his recruitment, he was looking like a safety prospect. Now he's looking more like a corner. So I think now that it's a little bit more clear where his home at the next level is going to be, that could open the door for some new opportunities for him. I think he's definitely got power five potential, man. I, I really do. I, I think he, he can make that happen for him. But even yeah. if he does go to a group of five program, I mean, you're getting a pretty good player. 
Yeah, and I mean, we, we saw other coaching staff. Marshall was represented at this camp as well. There's other college coaching staff, but he's a guy that you mentioned the communication with Terry Smith. It's it's still a long ways to go till mm-hmm. sign day. You're always trying to keep some guys on the back burner because you don't know what's going to happen with your class. You don't know who's going to ball out as a senior. You don't know what could pop up between now and even the February signing day. So uh, Jamari uh, Thomas maybe ensures he's got some kind of back burner spot as the conversation moves forward based on what he's able to do, getting feet on the ground. We'll talk a lot more about camp in a moment. I wanted to finish our conversation here with you. We were able to get confirmation on Sunday afternoon. Penn State welcomed three more freshmen at campus. You got the article up while we were covering camp. Uh, Jameel Lyons, a defensive lineman out of Philadelphia. Uh, Mason Robinson, uh, the latest defensive prospect out of the McDonough School in Maryland, where they've been an absolute pipeline for Penn State. And then the lone scholarship freshman wide receiver, Carmelo Taylor, big riser in 24-7 sports rankings as a senior down in Virginia, comes to campus with a ton of speed and a lot to build on. Uh, but those are the three newest Nittany Lions, the one name we're still waiting on for this freshman class, Chimdi Ono, top 24-7 offensive tackle. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary there, as far as we understand. Uh, it should be on campus here this summer, uh, but he's the last guy that they're waiting in. Other than that, uh, it's, it's always good when you're checking these names off and saying they're in the nest, now it's time to work. Yeah, Penn State fans shouldn't worry about Ono at all. Dundalk just had its graduation, so he's wrapping things up there. He'll he'll be good to go. He'll definitely be in town soon. But these three, Taylor, Robinson, and Lyons, Penn State really excited about all three. Taylor, the lone 2023 wide receiver signee, you know, we talk about his speed over and over and over again. He deserves a lot of credit for what he was able to accomplish in the classroom to make this a reality for him. You know, there was a point where there were questions about was he going to be able to get it done and, you know, qualify and put himself in a position to come to Penn State. He has, and it's definitely a really good thing for him. It's a great story. Nittany Lions are really excited about getting him into town, and, you know, he's just one of those ones you hope he could develop and make an impact sooner rather than later. And then with Lions and Robinson, I mean, Lions, I've pinpointed him multiple times as one of my favorite prospects in the class. I think he's got that mean streak to him. I think he's got positional versatility. On the defensive line, he can give you some reps at defensive end, can move inside, make plays for you. That's one that I'm really excited to see how his progression goes. And then Robinson, just a really technically sound prospect, does a lot of really good things. You know, he's a really just overall solid prospect for Penn State at defensive end. And so all three of these guys, man, you know, we're at the point where a very talented class is almost entirely on campus, working with the staff, getting its nose in the playbook, putting in work with Chuck Lozier in the weight room. So I think that, you know, the 2022 class, we talk about that is such a star study class. 2023, given all the positive early returns that we've received, and now three more guys in town with potential to, you know, generate some more positivity. I like the way that class is heading early in its development. It's right about uh, seven, eight weeks or so away from preseason camp. The roster's coming together, a work going on behind the scenes right now. Tyler Calvaruso, you've been doing a ton of work behind the scenes yourself over at lines247.com, where through this Thursday only, it's still 60% savings available to you. Hop on board. VIP coverage of our recruiting uh, camp coverage, the official visits going on, and then it'll take you right through preseason camp, in through football season, through basketball season, and right into signing day as well. Tyler, really appreciate the coverage. Uh, enjoyed your offensive board reset up at Lions 24-7. I know you got a defensive board reset coming up on Wednesday, so we'll chat about those, and I know a lot more on the next episode uh, of this podcast. A lot more to come, man. Thanks for having me back on, as always. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast.
Let's get into it with my other Lions 24-7 colleagues. And uh, it's funny because Carmelo Taylor, uh, who, who we were just discussing there, got to campus. And Mark Brennan, who uh, always beats everyone to these camp events and to, re- to the registration table, was there to capture some really cool moments. James Franklin, you know, big smile. Carmelo Taylor, big smile. It's a moment that, you know, you talk about for such a long time and then you get that hug. And I'm sure Franklin quickly said, great, now get to work. You, you probably have somewhere to be. And it's you get right to it. And you're trying to get on track and you're trying to be a freshman who's prepared and accountable uh, and mark i mentioned that you're the first guy there because we have a photo gallery and you're, you're not alone grace brendan shows up there with you too and <laughs> it was a different kind of camp than we experienced last weekend last weekend there was a little more fanfare in terms of the top 24 7 prospects commitments who are participating maybe not the talent level in terms of the the, the top to bottom camper list this time but there was some star power a former penn state all-american and uh, maybe the top known analyst across college football and Kirk Herbstreit, who was there to see his son Chase work out at the quarterback position. And Mark, you and Grace did a great job, photo gallery at Lions 24-7. But this is a different kind of Sunday than the last one. Yeah, I'm sorry. Somebody just drove by. They apparently need, need a new muffler. I don't know if you could, you could hear that. <laughs> yeah. But I have the windows open. It's such a nice day. You know, it was pretty cool to see Herbstreit. Um, you know, he showed up, and they weren't quite sure where to go uh, because they're – where. The kids come out from the South Tunnel and get on buses, but the registration is over on kind of the other side of the All Sports Museum. And he pulls up with his son and hops out. And, you know, I told him where, where they needed to go. And Grace was able to get a couple pictures. Uh, but what I thought was cool, you know, for some of the camp, he kind of he and his wife were up kind of overseeing things uh, from outside of James Franklin's office, which is understandable. I mean, that guy, all he would do would be signing autographs the entire time when he's trying to watch his kid. But when things moved indoors, he was in there. And then after camp, you know, he was very gracious with his time. And not, not that I expected anything different because any time I've ever dealt with him, he's been nothing but a great guy. But taking selfies with people, shaking hands with young campers. So it was nice to see that, that sort of star power. And then speaking of star power, I'm walking along. And I hear this, Mark, Mark. And uh, it's it, it, a dude wearing shades, so I couldn't really tell who it was. And he picks up his shades. And, and anybody who knows Kim Herring, you know, he's just a unique dude. And you immediately knew who he was. And then he's, you know, he's telling me that his son was there camping. And uh, that was very cool to see as well. And it wasn't just Kim Herring. Bob Jones, uh, a former defensive end for Penn State. Kim Herring, for people who don't know, was an All-American uh, safety in 1996. And then Bob Jones, a couple years later, uh, defensive end, went on to be a long snapper in the NFL and then went into MMA. Uh, his son, Drew, uh, was there camping as well. So to see, with all the coaching changes, to see the former players bringing their kids back uh, is a pretty cool thing to see. And then Kevin Cousins, a former Penn State player, is now an, a volunteer assistant at West Orange High School, and he was there. And, you know, all these guys giving Franklin a hug, and it just kind of the continuity, not that it wasn't always there, uh, but it's just nice to see after all the changes that this program's gone through. But, like, to a man, everybody is like, wow, did you see that weight room? Uh, you know, I went to the weight room. We're, we're not allowed to take pictures of the weight room. That's how, like, advanced it is. Uh, but, like, every one of them is like, have you seen Lash Building? Were you in there? Have you seen what's going on? Because from their days, I mean, one thing I will say is that at one point, Lash was state-of-the-art. You know, like when it first opened and maybe for the first 10 years. But then, you know, they really didn't do anything to it for a long time. And they fell way behind a lot of people. And 
you know, when people are complaining about Franklin always asking for money, it's not just for him. I mean, he's trying to improve these facilities. And now to see that in practice and to see former players, and not in practice, but I mean actually happening, and to see former players acknowledging it and, and them being wowed. And you're talking about Kim Herring, a guy who played in the league for a bunch of years, for, for Daniel's beloved Raven. <laughs> uh, so all that's nice. So I know I went off there, but that aspect of it is unique, and I always enjoy catching up with former players when they, when they stop by. And just a couple more notes on the on those things that you went through there. Chase Herbstreet, where is he a quarterback at? St. Xavier High School in Cincinnati, where Sean Clifford won a state championship, uh, obviously earned a Penn State scholarship offer along the way. Uh, and then Kim Herring's son, just, just to name the file away, 2027 yeah. class sounds like it's a ways off, but I've been covering this thing for a while and recruiting. It catches up with you. We'll be there before you know it, 2027 class. So he's a defensive back. He was working under the direction of Anthony Poindexter for a lot of this camp, which is cool because Poindexter – and Kim Herring won a Super Bowl together with the Baltimore Ravens, and there's his son working on the Penn State practice field under the direction of his former teammate. But uh, look, Tristan, Her uh, Tristan Herring, from what, we, what do you understand, he's going to go to Brigham Catholic. That's a great start, a uh, place to make your start at the high school football level. So some names to know there long term. A name that we are already familiar with is Caleb Brewer. He was on campus last weekend working out with Phil Troutwine and the offensive staff for Penn State. We've kind of labeled him since he committed Blue White Weekend as a potential two-way lineman in this Penn State recruiting class. We're not quite sure. Dion Barnes, uh, Phil Troutwine, and Brewer being patient with that kind of a process. And I selfishly, I'd hope we might see him work with Dion Barnes, Daniel Gallon, th this this past Sunday, just to get kind of a uh, right away, here's what he looks like on defense, here's what he looks like on offense. Instead, double down on offense, and he got a whole heavy dose of Frank Leonard in his life. Yeah, Caleb Brewer was back with the offensive line um, again this week. Uh, it was a little bit different this week. He was in a, a larger group, I think, last year when they kind of do the thing where they shave a couple guys off, bring them inside to work with Troutwine and, and other assistants. Um, and last week it was only four guys. This week it was, I think, six in one group, eight in another um, but you know that's you get the opportunity to have some very you know hands-on uh, instruction from someone like Phil Troutwine and someone like Frank Leonard, um, the offensive analyst, who really makes his presence known. Uh, you know, I think last year was the the first summer that he'd been there out at camp, and it was immediately noticeable uh, anywhere you were on the fields. You you knew where Frank Leonard was, and I guess last week I didn't realize how quiet uh, <laughs> it was without him in there, but. Um, you know, he was back there in Haluba Hall working with uh, a different, you know, with a small group of offensive linemen hands on. And it was you know, pretty, pretty cool to see. I mean, I think the, the parents were really getting a kick out of it. Um, and I think the kids were getting something out of it, too, because, you know, he is a yeller. He is someone who is very enthusiastic. He is really on these players when, uh, you know, they're going through a drill and, and when they make a mistake. But I think the thing that makes him a, a good coach and someone who connects is that, when they do something right and they do it exactly how he wants them to do it, he's even more enthusiastic um, than he is when they're wrong. So there's some real validation that you get uh, from from working you know, with someone like Frank Leonard. And it was, you know, it was it was cool to see hands on, you know, where they were and where we're allowed to stand and and where they were working. So, um, you know, it was pretty cool to see. Uh, I didn't. And then Caleb Brewer got his own little dose of Frank Leonard uh, where Grace spotted him. Uh, you know, after camp ended, Frank Leonard had him aside off to the side and was doing a couple, you know, drills with him, working him through some things, you know, because the groups inside were bigger this week. And because Frank Leonard is so exacting with how he teaches 
these kids, you know, what he wants them to do. They don't get the opportunity for a ton of reps um, in there. So you know, I thought that was interesting that they, they got Brewer off to the side, ran him through a couple things. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see you know, if he pops up again this summer and if he does pop up with Deion Barnes. Hey, What's the intern, question? one quick thing, guys. Yeah. The intern got to know Frank Leonard. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was taking photos, and he's like, who are you? Who are you? And he explains, I'm Grace Brennan from, from Lines 247. Oh, I need to know who you are. And, and it's like, I've seen you around. And, but he was, it was exactly what you would expect, where he comes off heavy, he comes, it comes off hot, but then he ends up being the nicest guy in the world. And now she, I think she has a friend for life in, in Frank Leonard. So it was pretty cool. Uh, to see my own kid going through a little bit of what these uh, very talented athletes go through. I'm telling you, it's been a really good yin-yang situation for the personality yeah. dynamics between him and Phil Troutwine. I'm, I'm not going to – I don't want to give Frank Leonard too much credit for what they were able to, to do last year on the offensive line because it was a hell of a step forward. But, I mean, we've heard it from other members of the staff. We've heard it from Phil himself, and I've heard it from players in that building just about – there's a different charge of energy with Frank Leonard and the way he converses information versus the way uh, Phil Troutwine does it. And, and, and I've heard from players that they love that Phil Troutwine is not a yeller, but sometimes a yeller helps in certain situations. And I, I think you made a good point with grace because I've seen prospects and Frank Leonard will yell at them. He doesn't know their names. He'll yell their number or whatever. And then I'll come charging toward them. And you see their eyes light up and they're like, am I, <laughs> what do they do? Am I about to get praised? Am <laughs> yeah. I about to get bombed? And I don't even know what's going to happen. And it, so, yeah, he, he brings another energy uh, to the camp circuit. We're appreciative for that. We got to know him a bit last year when he was working with some of those guys like Javen Williams, Alex Bershmeyer, and Anthony Donka, who, who eventually had joined the program. By the way, Javen Williams was working out there with Phil Troutwine and Frank Leonard with the offensive lineman, one of many uh, current players who, who are assisting as, as counselors. And just watching him show some, some pro sets, I mean, this guy, he is a Big, big fella now. I mean, I think he's 320 pounds, probably settled in that range pretty well. Six foot five plus. I mean, he can move. He can glide, it looks like, when he gets lateral. And I just thought that that early look at his footwork, we didn't get a long look at him during the course of spring practices. But it certainly sounds like he's on track to be a viable option as a fourth offensive tackle if he can keep up where he is between now and, and September 2nd um, and, and maybe be a game-ready option for them on the offensive line. Um, looking elsewhere, Mark, we, we had a chance to, to post up, and we weren't exactly sure who it was for the longest time. Turns out it was it was a worthy post up for us to be focusing in on though. Long snapper gets an offer out of the process, and this is one of the cool things about camp. They are evaluating the entire roster. It's not just you know, the, the the highly ranked quarterback who's on campus or the highly ranked position prospect. You got an opportunity to take a what a small sample size of a long snapper. You got to get it done, and you got to get your data on him because you got to turn the chapter and look for the next guy. What do you make of that, Mark? Yeah, what was the kid's name? I'm sorry, I'm I'm drawing a blank on it. Uh, Andrew Dufault. That. Yeah, that's right, Andrew Dufault. Yeah. So, yeah, I initially mistook him for another player, so that I was an idiot and had to uh, correct myself on the boards. But uh, it was really uh, cool to see. Uh, again, it's one of these things where you know you're at camp and you can see what they're looking for when they're working out a, a long snapper. And Stacy Collins was there. And, uh, you know, some of the some of the specialists and um, just snapping at different intervals, uh, punt snapping and and placement snapping and then going as far as to have the kid on the sideline and sprinting in and then snapping right off the bat. 
you know, from both sidelines and then snapping and getting whacked in the head with a, with, with, with a pad, you know, all of those things. So uh, that's one of the things about camp. You never know what the heck you're going to see. And I should, I'm going to post video of that I, I'm going to, even though it's not like a high profile type thing, I think people would be uh, very interested in it. And it was also cool that his mom was there taking video too. You could see her kind of beaming with pride. Cause it's like, you know, imagine, you know, you're, you're going, the kid's going into a senior year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden Penn State's asking you to come in and, and, and come to camp and, you know, snap some for the, for the special, for the special teams coach. I mean, that has to be sort of mind blowing. So you could see her beaming, uh, but he looked good and he looked, uh, I don't, I don't have his measurements here right in front of me. I don't know. I forget exactly what he was. Uh, but he's a bigger kid, and yeah, it looks like he could play at this level. And from what we understand, he got at least a preferred walk-on offer, or was it a scholarship yeah. offer? I'm preferred walk-on. Yeah, and they see, and the staff does see in terms of you know, it's not just that he can snap pre- precisely. They see some 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 body similarities, some build similarities to what they got from Chris Stoll. You can't just be you know 170 pounds out there snapping the football in Big Ten trenches. But this is a guy that that I, I thought was really interesting. You know, the end of half, end of game situation. They're running him out there. You got James Franklin sitting on a golf cart watching all of this take place, and those are the kind of the high pressure moments. I remember them taking Jake Pinniger away from everybody over to Beaver Stadium with like four staff members and saying, okay, kick field goals in an empty Beaver Stadium by yourself while we're all watching. The specialist aspect of how these guys get on rosters is really just so different than the the skill stuff. And I thought we should shed a little bit of light on that during the show. And uh, a guy that got a lot of the spotlight, especially from me on Sunday, uh, was Tony Williams, who, who came up from, from West Palm Beach, uh, Florida, uh, a guy that Jaywan Sider had, had gone down and, and certainly had heard about. And Jaywan Sider made it clear that Penn State was interested. He got an offer in January, but it was certainly one of those offers where it comes with the caveat of, hey, come up in camp so we get a longer look at you, we get a feel for you. He was at Pitt on Saturday. He comes over to Penn State on Sunday. And I'm telling you, he said he had a nagging groin issue during the course of the day. I couldn't tell because, in my opinion, I thought he was the best player out there. And he was a top 24-7 prospect. It wasn't necessarily a surprise. A top 200 guy, actually, in the 2025 class. But this is a player, guys, that that Tony Williams didn't see him allow, uh, allow a, a pass in any one-on-one drill at all. Very physical, about as physical as you can be in this setting and still get away with it. He ran a 4-6 flat, and he was pissed off about it because he said his groin prevented him from running faster. And, it, and he made the trip here with the recruiting cloud kind of already there he's got 15 plus offers he's not desperate right now but he got on a plane whirlwind deal goes from western pa to central pa and goes home and we got video photos and a write-up of him so i guess for for mr tony williams it's mission accomplished daniel and i know that from what you saw of him you were a little more focused in on the offensive lineman but this guy was hard to turn away from physical stature and then the way he kind of approached himself in that range that he was able to showcase yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm, I was looking at the offensive line and then every once in a while I would look over at, at one-on-ones uh, and then later watch one-on-ones for a little bit longer period of time. But every time I looked over, I think he was wearing 3-3-2. Uh, mm-hmm. And every time I looked over, it looked like he was having a rep um, and looked like he was out there on the field doing something. So you know, I caught a lot of him in passing. Um, it definitely was a very – it felt like those one-on-ones were a little bit more physical uh, than I think we've seen uh, in, you know, at, at these camps. Um, I was standing next to a, a quarterback's parents uh, who were who were remarking uh, about some of the physicality um, out there. But you know, he's someone who definitely looks the part. Um, it would be here. It would be interesting to see how those testing numbers 
come out for him, you know, if he is and when he is indeed uh, fully healthy um, and what he can do on the speed front. But, you know, I think for him, that's it's a very you know good accomplishment to really come up, uh, establish yourself as someone to know, um, get yourself out there on the radar, have that kind of exposure. Um, and now, you know, he's really firmly on our radar, too. You know, Penn State has done a really, really nice job in Florida, um, you know, and I, I think that we've definitely seen that over the past few classes, even this 2024 class, the number of defensive backs from that state. Um, you know, he has the potential to kind of follow in those footsteps. And I think Penn State has set itself up uh, nicely there. Obviously, it's a bit of a long way to go for a 2025 recruit, but you know, I think that it's mission accomplished for Tony Williams and it gives Terry Smith, Anthony Poindexter, uh, Manny Diaz something to think about uh, on their defensive backboard. Slater's the one who spearheads this initially, and it's a good a, kind of an example of how it works in getting guys to campus and, and getting one domino to fall on the next that where you have a long-distance recruitment that works out. Um, Slater goes down there, makes the strong impression, helps coordinate getting him to campus. Then James Franklin steps in and says, we're going to recruit the hell out of you as a party message to this kid. So Tony Williams' recruitment has changed in a hurry from this weekend trip, and he says he hopes to get back for the whiteout game again. 2025 prospect, but shaping up to be one that everyone's going to know about across the country. A bunch of offers down to the south, but some of the more notable schools down there have not yet pulled the trigger. Miami, Florida, showing serious interest. He's going to be at Tennessee soon uh, for a camp. He's hoping to get an offer from them. He said Ohio State has shown interest as well. So we may be talking about a, a, a player on the verge of a national breakout on the recruiting scene, already highly regarded at 24-7 sports. And as I said, I thought he was the most impressive prospect on Sunday at camp. We have a full write-up over at 247sports.com. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Daniel, any quarterbacks? You know, I think part of the physicality downfield may have been maybe the quarterback play wasn't quite where we saw it the preceding Sunday. Uh, you had guys maybe going for more 50-50 balls, trying to, 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 to go outside of, of their comfort zone downfield. But uh, I thought there were some underclassmen worth noting along the way as well, some rising sophomores, rising juniors. We'll see where Ch Chase Herbstreit goes. He's always going to have that name attached to him. But where else in that quarterback group did your eyes land? Yeah, one of the, the class of 2024 campers uh, who came up from Texas was Carter Noyes. Um, he made a couple nice throws. Uh, you know, he kind of has the same physical build as, as some of these quarterbacks, you know, similar to an Ethan Grunkemeyer. Um, similar to a lot of guys who were working out last week. Um, but he had a couple nice throws to the sideline. Um, you know, I like the way that, that he kind of handled himself. Um, Joshua Anderson from Randolph, New Jersey. Um, he was the most like, physically impressive uh, quarterback there. Um, you know, he's from North Carolina originally. So, you know, he had a good rapport with uh, the analyst, Danny O'Brien, who's also from North Carolina. They had a lot of banter during warming up. Um, and he just kind of knocked it out of the park in terms of his, his physical testing. Um, you know, so I'm curious down the road to look at him, see where, see where he ends up, you know, what level he winds up as, but you know, looking at 2025, uh, Finley Polk was up from, uh, South Carolina. Um, I think that he was someone who really, really jumped out to me the way that he moved around, um, you know, his motion, it was really quick. Uh, he was zipping the ball out there. Um, you know, Ethan Houck, uh, from Brunswick, Maryland, uh, it's a little bit more in the Western part of the state. Um, he had really, really good size. I think that he was one of the guys, he had the, like a shock of blonde hair too. So when you're looking, you know, across the quarterbacks, when they're in line, your eye was kind of drawn to him and like, Oh, who's that kid? Let's see what he <laughs> can do. Um, and then another really interesting name is MJ Mitchell, 
uh, from Wakesha, Wisconsin, Catholic Memorial. He's the quarterback for Penn State commits Donovan Harbor and Corey Smith, um, who had both been on campus this weekend for their official visits. Um, you know, he's a little bit on the, the slighter side, but he moved really well. Um, he threw a couple nice deep balls. Uh, I, you know, I liked what I saw out of him. Um, so he's going to get the opportunity this year with his recruitment to play with two Big Ten commits. Um, there's, he's going to have the opportunity to get you know, noticed by you know, evaluators everywhere you know, because of that attention that that brings. Um, and then one, one more guy in the class of 2026, uh, Dante Carr from Minersville, PA. He was another one of those guys where every time I looked up, it seemed like he was going through a rep. Um, and he had some some good zip on the ball, and I'm curious to see how he develops coming out of that freshman year and really moving forward. All right, we'll be back on the field this Friday. It is one of our favorite events of all summer, of all the year, really, in terms of our coverage abilities because there's a lot going on in, in a very short span. The big man challenge on, on the practice fields and then over at the intramural fields here at Penn State, you got the seven-on-seven seven tournament, which I don't know how many teams are going to be this year, but it is a staggering number to start whittling its way down over the course of the afternoon down to a championship. Uh, but, Mark, we're going to be out there. Uh, Tyler Calvaruso is making the trek from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. We're always excited to have him back on campus. Grace Brennan will be with us as well. And our VIP subscription uh, sale will be over on Thursday at midnight. So uh, the, the door closes right before that. I just want to give you the opportunity, quick open mic, because I know we've had a lot of success. We appreciate the new subscribers, the old subscribers, but we got 48 hours. We're under 48 hours now. And I'm telling you, this is the great point to jump in because after this, we get into the rest of June, which is insane. We got a lot going on for preseason camp. And then our VIP coverage is just, you don't want to get left behind. Uh, and this is a good spot, I think, to dive in. Yeah. First of all, I just want to thank everybody who's come on board already. Uh, we, we were, as of uh, last night, top 10 on the network. want to thank all of our longtime subscribers. Without these people, none of this works. Uh, but if you want to come on at the VIP level, listen, we're, we're two camps in, and there's seven more to go this month. And I'm just telling people, I can talk about it all, all I want. But I would just strongly encourage you to check out our front page and go to the little story about the 60% offer. And it's not so little of a story anymore because I'm posting links to all of our VIP content since June 1st. Uh, I haven't done it today yet, so there's going to be even more uh, in there. And you could just see it all. And one of the cool things, if you subscribe, uh, you have retroactive access to all of that. And you have access to VIP stories across the 24-7 network. And you have read-only access to VIP message boards across the uh, 24-7 network. Obviously, you have the ability to post here at Lions 247. So 60% off. It's a great deal. If you're into Penn State football recruiting, it's the best deal out there. Uh, we strongly encourage people to, to give it a try. And you'll get a, a really good idea of what our coverage will look like because you'll get a camp on Friday, the 7-on-7 seven seven Big Man Challenge, and then we get a midweek camp next week. Wednesday, we're back on the field. So uh, not, not much Tyler, rest on, on the camp circuit around here. It's it's Wednesday is camp. Uh, Thursday is lift for life. I think they may try to sneak in another camp on Friday, and then there's something 7-on-7. Seven yeah, another 7-on-7. Seven seven. Yeah, yeah so it's, 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 it's insane. And I, I keep telling people that, June used to be the time when everybody took vacations, including football coaches, uh, but not anymore. Now it's a super busy time. And that's why that, that's why this VIP thing makes so much sense now to run the offer. And that's why I like being able to run it now, because there is so much stuff. And that, we're not even getting into official visits and commitments and, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, yeah. a lot to a lot to digest, obviously. 
All right. And by the way, we got a VIP thread unloading a ton of what we're hearing from the Penn State coaching staff this summer. That's ongoing right now for our VIP subscribers. Uh, so a, a ton. You may think June is kind of uh, waiting for preseason stuff to pick up, not at, at Lions 24-7 and not with the recruiting calendar right now at, at the NCAA level. Um, look, we got one more camp to talk about. We'll do it pretty quickly because I know, Daniel, you're going to have a story at Lions247.com about it. It's one of the biggest camps of the year at the quarterback position. It is the biggest camp of the year. It is the Elite 11 Finals out in Redondo Beach, California, a Los Angeles area. We already saw a tweet from Ethan Grunkemeyer that he has arrived on the West Coast. He was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago looking forward to that event. He got a lot of intel on the event from Drew Aller, who was a finalist back in 2021 during his ascent as a five-star quarterback recruit. So it's all out there for Ethan Grunkemeyer. And if you've noticed, folks, Check out the 24-7 sports national coverage of this event. You might see a footnote of Ethan Grunkmeyer. You might see a little bit of a capsule. He is not going to be a headliner. So he's got a chance to really turn some heads going into this thing as a three-star in our rankings, as a three-star in the composite rankings. And when you go shoulder to shoulder with the 19 talented arms like this, with a with the recruiting industry staring at you with cameras, and I know we've probably got an army of reporters out there, the stage is set, Daniel, for Ethan Grunkemeyer to go show exactly what Mike Yersich sees in this young quarterback. Definitely. I think that you know, when we're talking next week, we could be talking about Ethan Grunkemeyer as one of the, the breakout performers. I think that he could really make himself into a, a known commodity um, in this class of, of 2024. Um, you know, when he was at the State College Regional, that was a really, really talented group. You had Georgia commit, Ryan Puglisi there. You had South Carolina commit, Dante Reno. Um, Ethan Grunkemeyer stacked up very nicely. Um, as we documented, he was the only quarterback to receive his invite to elite to the Elite 11 Finals that day. Um, so it, it's going to be a good experience for him. I'm I'm really excited to see what he looks like on the other side. Um, you know, these these types of camps aren't for you know every kind of quarterback. Uh, it can be difficult sometimes to get a gauge depending on you know what type of quarterback you are. Um, but I think that with what we saw from Gronkemeyer uh, at State College High School a couple of weeks ago, you know, I think that he is someone who will be able to you know, potentially thrive in this type of environment. Um, I think we got a little bit of a window into his competitive streak, um, you know, given that he did come in despite his recent commitment. You know, overall, he was still a little bit of an under the radar name compared to some of the other guys who were there. And he really stepped up. So I think when Gronkemeyer gets out there and things get underway, uh, he's someone that you're going to be hearing from. And, you know, when th this thing's really getting recapped, I think that he'll have made an impression on, on some decision makers, uh, you know, in the evaluating world. So it'll be fun to see. This is an event that that's always kind of fun to follow from afar. You never know who the breakout star is going to be. Last year was Jackson Smolik, uh, who, you know, is the last minute replacement goes out there as a Tulane commit, you know, two months, less than two months later, he's a Penn State commit. You know, he's he's going to the Big Ten. So you know, it's a big, big week for these kids. And uh, I'm excited to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I absolutely love this event. What they what they make these quarterbacks go through away from the field. It, it's really it's really different. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to getting inside the mind of some of the Elite 11 staff that I've grown some relationships with and, and see what we can hear about Grunkemeyer coming away from Los Angeles. And I'm sure there will be a ton of video, a lot of content, a, a lot of scouting 
out of this event at lines247.com. Thanks to our amazing team at 24-7 Sports. The network is all over this event. It's all over our front page at the national level. So a big opportunity for Ethan Grunkemeyer. And rest assured, if he does ball out in this stage, you will hear all about it at lines247.com. I wanted to finish with this note, and it's kind of a follow-up, Mark, because we detailed your story on Calvin Booth, uh, I think, three episodes ago, maybe on the podcast, just as the NBA Finals were starting to get underway general manager of the Denver Nuggets who finished the regular season with the most wins in the Western Conference. He is now an NBA champion. He has delivered the Denver Nuggets first NBA championship. And it is a team that seems primed to compete for several more in the future. 30 years ago, this guy shows up to campus as a lanky, quiet Penn State freshman. Uh, you had the full story. Uh, we republished it. It's up on the site today. I encourage people to check it out. A retrospect of, of how Calvin Booth has grown from his days here in Happy Valley. But I wanted to open the the the, uh, the opportunity for you, Mark, to just share your reaction to a big night for Booth. Yeah, Jared Stevens, another former Penn State player, one of uh, Calvin's teammates, is a scout on that team as well. So to see two Penn State players. Listen, the, the story we did on Calvin was kind of a snippet for Penn State fans uh, of of who he was because I think I didn't think a lot of people actually knew that, that he was kind of the architect of a lot of what's going on out there uh, in Denver. But what an amazing! I mean, it, it's it, it is just absolutely unbelievable. You know, I've learned since then that uh, one of the cool things about Calvin's story is when his NBA career wrapped up. You know, the guy played uh, about ten years in the NBA, shot blocking specialists. You know, made over $40 million. He could have just kicked back and enjoyed the rest of his life. But you know what he did? He became a scout on his own. He footed his own bill to go over to Europe and scout players. And, you know, he he went through all of that for years until he was able to get a foot in the door in the NBA and then climbed and fought and clawed his way up. Nothing was given to this man. And to see it go from a, a guy who was literally paying his own way over to Europe. And I, yeah, I know that's easy when you have $40 million or when you've made all that money. It's not easy because the temptation for most people, you know, I probably would have said, hey, I'll find something easy to not, you know, something to do in the United States. That He had goals just like he did in basketball. And where everybody doubted him in basketball as a player, he proved everybody wrong. And then he decides to go and do that. That part of the story that I didn't know, uh, Pete Lasicki clued me into that. You know, he said, Mark, there's a part of this story that a lot of people don't even know. So the Calvin Booth story gets more amazing the more you hear about it. And to see a good thing happen to a good person, because he was, he was a good person, a great person here at Penn State. Uh, I mean, it's just very, very cool to see. And to see Penn State basketball represented at that level, is just absolutely unbelievable. And, and it was also pretty cool after that game. I'll throw this out there as well. Lisa Salters interviewing everybody as a former women's basketball player at Penn State. So Penn State basketball represented on a huge stage uh, by a couple, three, including Jared Stevens, you know, very good people. Great insight there, Mark. Really appreciate that. And, and Daniel as well on this episode of the podcast. Talk to you guys real soon, of course. Uh, look forward to your upcoming work at lines247.com. Thanks, Tyler. All right, good stuff from my colleagues, Mark, Daniel, and Tyler Calvaruso along the way here on our latest episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. We're going to get back to work on the site for now. We'll be back with another episode later this week. 
We'll take a look into how things are shaping up at Elite 11 Finals. Look ahead to this big Friday on campus with the 7-on-7 tournament, the Big Man Challenge set to take place. And we will have another official visit weekend to look ahead to with Tyler Calvaruso. Hear all that and more on the next edition. Uh, please give us a five-star rating or uh, a five-star review if you liked what you heard. And subscribe to us on YouTube and wherever you find your podcast. Stepping aside for now, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for listening. 